It's me, Carlo. Listen, I'm afraid Evelyn's had it. What the hell's that supposed to mean, Doc? She had a massive coronary. That's what it means. Uh, uh, miss, smile for the press, please. First of all, you're gonna have to lose a bit of that tummy, baby. Yeah, marvelous. How come it's not clicking? It's not clicking. Uh, it's not clicking. You're right. And she's first-class merchandise. Look at her. That new one there. She's nice. You think she puts out? I'll give you whatever you want, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand, half a million, whatever you want. I'll give you all this money, whatever I have, but promise you'll make love to me, huh? Uh, please. Did I ever tell you you look terrible with clothes on? <laughs> you admit you love her, don't you? You're a cheap whore. Why am I a whore? Do you mind telling me? No! No! Carlo pestered you. Oh. What are you waiting for? Are you being careful? Don't worry, I'm on the pill, honey. Oh, better not to run any risks, though. Uh -huh. Hey, where do you think you're... Just a minute, you'll see. No! 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 Uh, I, I was just joking. <laughs> Hi, this is Larry Zerner from Friday the 13th, Part 3, and you're listening to The Hysteria Continues. And indeed you are. Welcome back to The Hysteria Continues, and uh, I think we're up to episode 213. Uh, and uh, this time, of course, we're going back to the mid-1970s. Yes, the decade that not only... Well, they used to say the decade that taste forgot... But it's also the decade when anything went, especially in Italian genre, uh, genre cinema. So, um, yeah, we're very excited to be covering a giallo. And, of course, possibly one of the uh, kind of most infamous, but certainly um, uh, one of the most salacious jali of all time. So, and, of course, naturally, this is uh, Eric Pick, who, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> who he, we, we just covered Beyond the Door on Patreon, which uh, and the two themes that... Uh, that uh, link the two together are whore. It's wall-to-wall -wall whores. Yes, yes. So, um, well, thank you, Eric. Uh, we'll see if we're going to thank you later. But um, Nathan, uh, would you strip nude for your killer? Um, no, I'm, I'm a little too modest for that. I don't have the bodies that some of these people in this movie do. I mean, I think mine is better than Maurizio's, but, <laughs> I mean, that's not, you know, I mean, that's all I can say. Um, I will say that this movie has a lot of boobies in it. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, Joseph, how about you? Would you be willing to strip nude for your killer? I think I am the killer. <gasps> I demand all three of you to strip nude. Well, how do you know we're not already nude? Yeah, that's true. Because I'm watching you on video. <laughs> <gasps> well, I don't have a webcam, so how's that possible? <gasps> yes, you do. Oh. You just don't realize. Yeah. Well, I'm suing you. <laughs> Eric, normally you're Ooh. normally nude, aren't you? What are you going to get? I'm just in a pair of skimpy shorts. <sighs> well, there you go. Well, we Total I can imagine. Nonsense. I'm. I, I think we're all sat with, um, for want of a better term, bated breath, uh, waiting for your video entrant um, intro for this. What you're going to do? Yeah, don't get too don't get too excited <laughs> about that. There's no way I'm stripping nude for my killer or for the video. Okay. Not even if you have some drinks. Maybe. Ah, uh, uh -huh. we'll have to see. Yeah, in case you didn't know that uh, Joseph, Joseph has been doing an amazing job on YouTube with uh, with YouTube um, videos for all of our episodes, and we started doing video intros for the newest for the last what's eight episodes or so. 
Something I think like we started at episode 200, so this will be 13 intros going so far. Wow, there you go. So if you want to see what we look like and the high production values of our video intros, then uh, do check those out on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to say they're like fantastic videos, but they're 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 kind of fun if you if you like to watch the show, you can watch the show. Yeah, we're not. We kind of do the video intros where it's us doing little bits of camera, but it's not us throughout. It's not all of just us talking. But there's loads of uh, where where you can find them. There's a kind of video artwork and sort of uh, if we're talking about other films um, that we talked about, sort of uh, photos and promotional material from them and stuff. Trailers, so, trailers, TV spots, all that stuff. So it's it's a fun time. Yeah, so go subscribe. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yes, but um, we are saying we're back to. To, um, Milan in 1975 uh, with lots of boobies and various people stripping off. In fact, I think everyone pretty much strips off in this, or more, more or less. But before we get to that, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. So, um, Nathan, have you seen anything in the last couple of weeks you want to t- tell us about? The only thing that I've seen has just been stuff that I've already seen, um, and we've really already covered them, so I don't have anything fantastic to report, I'm afraid. Um, Joseph did send us a trailer for this open 24 hours, and I really want to see that. It looks like it's going to be really good. So Yeah. Um, um, did you get the other trailer I sent? There's a couple of movies coming out I want to see. Um, that looks pretty good. And then there's one called Aqua Slash that really reminds me of The Pool, but kind of oh, more updated. Oh, I have it. It's of it. kind of more updated for you know for today's audience, obviously, but it really reminds me of the pool with all the water slide deaths and a killer stalking teens at a water park, and this is an actual water park instead of like this indoor kind of building. So it looks like a lot of fun. Um, it's <sighs> certainly a gory trailer. Go look that up. Ooh, I, I, I will. Yeah, I do want to see that. It looks pretty fun. What's it I'm called? Very excited. Aqua slash. It's one word. Okay. It's a st- stupid title, but the trailer looks a lot of fun. I like the title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully some of those will come out because I think that open twenty four hours was um, uh, been well been not out, but it's uh, it's uh, it was made a couple of years ago, so it's sat on the shelf yeah, somewhere. It's, it co- it's coming out in August on a DVD and streaming, I believe. Cool. Okay. Well, that's a good one yeah. to check out. So, um, well, thank you, Nathan. Anything? Anything else, or is that? Uh, no, I'm afraid not. No worries. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, Joseph, how about you? No, I've I've pretty much had to curtail my TV viewing because I got a lot going on. I just watch stuff for the podcast, but hopefully next time I'll actually have some recently seen. So not this time. Okay, could be a short episode. So, Good. Eric, what have you got for us? Just, I just have one thing, and we have met, uh, one. Uh, certainly, one of you has seen this already and mentioned it before. But I saw Crawl, which is the Alexandra Aja. Uh, crocodile movie from last year uh so it's set in florida where a woman uh, she's uh, checks in on her father who is um unresponsive to phone calls and it's all set in the backdrop of this intense hurricane and in you know really bad flooding in florida and the duo find themselves trapped in the basement of their house being menaced by two big alligators um so the setup and the execution reminded me a bit of the shallows which is you know the a minimal cast are stuck in you know in kind of one location for the bulk of the movie and it's actually pretty good it's a very taut 80 minutes my only problem would be that you know although i'm sure alligators and crocodiles and the like are quite terrifying to be face to face with i just don't find i find them to be one of the less sinister animals in these nature take revenge movies or nature runs amok um 
they just uh, they're not as interesting to me as say sharks i mean sharks transfer nicely to films i think and i love you know the jaws series and, and all those and i thought the shallows and the reef were great um so i never feel like the true menace of alligators comes across in these movies but i did i did think this was um you know really really good and i can see why the critical consensus was generally positive towards it it had likable characters uh, it didn't dawdle on backstory apart from telling us you know that the the main character had a background as a competitive swimmer which may come in handy later on in the plot um yeah i thought it was is pretty darn good i'm not sure it's one I'd, I'd i'd rewatch, but i did enjoy it so crawl i mean who, who has seen it have you all seen it i feel like i might have watched it but yeah i don't remember i don't i really don't remember if i've seen it it's quite a big i've not mm. It's quite a big budget movie, isn't it? I've seen it, yeah. but it's uh, surprisingly for something not of that ilk. So it sounds dis- dismissive, and I don't mean it like that. But it's actually quite um, because you've got the the backdrop of this hurricane, haven't you? And then this dam bursting and all this kind of stuff going on, which kind of means there's lots of water everywhere. But it's it's um, it's not done in that kind of typical B movie way. In so much the budget is so limited, you have to have everything really closed down. It's actually quite an expansive movie and quite sort of big budget look to it. Mm, um, yeah. I enjoyed it, but I, again, like you say, it's, it, uh, um, when nature runs amok movies, I do enjoy them, but, and I think the idea of being eaten by an alligator would be horrific or, you know, obviously, or by a shark, but again, I don't find them particularly scary, maybe just cause I've never been in that position. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Mm. Although I haven't been in a position by being sort of chased by a man with a knife either. Luckily, <laughs> But I think there's something more bright on. I don't know. I think you have. Have I? According according to the movie we've watched, I think you have. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you saw. You didn't see the messenger chat earlier this morning, uh, Justin, where we we're all assigned roles as to who we would, who are our equivalents. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, I have to look at that later. Are you saying I'm going to be? Uh, am I? Would I be the final girl, or would I? Am I just at the first yeah. victim? Who's <laughs> Bra pings off. You're you're one of the, you're one of the victims, but you don't strip nude for your killer. Well, they, sort of. Even they find they find him. They find him. Oh nude. gosh! Well, that's something to look Absolutely. forward to when I look back at the chat. So, yes. um, okay. Well, thank you, Eric. Anything? Anything else? Now that was it. Okay, right. Well, I've just kind of uh, a cut. Well, uh, one main film I watched. Well, I say main film, it um, makes it sound like it was an, in uh, a main feature, but in fact, it's kind of very low budget. There's a kind of spate. I don't know who's making them or why they're being made, which again sounds dismissive. And then perhaps in this case, it's uh, justified. But a lot of kind of um, there's a lot of British horror movies being made at the moment, very low budget, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but I remember there was a film called Two Fairy from, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago, uh, that I saw on the box and uh, on our box came up and it was, um, a film called Two Fairy. And I thought it was that, and then it's a new film. Um, and I seem to remember someone had shared something to one of the, our Facebook pages about this new slasher movie called, about the Two Fairy. And I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a go. And it's one of those kind of micro budget um, British films. Again, it looks really good. It's really well shot, but it has some of the most over the top and silly acting and some of the worst special effects you could ever imagine in a movie. It's one of those movies where the monster, the two fairy, who is this kind of t- the, t- the, the eponymous creature of, of this, um, is the makeup is so bad. It looks like a, a sort of 50 cents Halloween mask. 
um, or, or, or you know, a Halloween mask from the dollar store or something or from the bound shop. And you keep on thinking all the way through the movie. It's obviously someone behind this. It's some kind of Scooby-Doo-esque thing. And there's someone doing this and they're going to pull the mask off and go, oh, it's you. And if it wasn't for you meddling kids. But no, it is actually meant to be a monster uh, mask. And it's so rubber. It's It has to be seen to be believed. But also the acting has to be seen to be believed. Um it's got the it's got someone playing a vicar who's about twenty five, pretending to be eighty, uh, with sprayed grey hair, and he gets on go. He every time he comes down, he puts on this strange voice going hello, like this all the way through it, which is very bizarre. And they've got a mother and daughter, and the mother is played by well, the daughter is played by someone who's clearly five years older than the woman playing the mother. Uh, so it's just it's just really. <laughs> over the top and silly see this movie it is so oh so ridiculous um and um so you've got the and what the hell they kind of stop the two fairy what they do is they fill up um water pistols with orange juice or sugary drinks and um shoot the two fairy with um water pistols full of sugar uh, oh so, my god! Yeah, that sounds amazing. That sounds amazing. <laughs> but there was there another film I started to watch, which another from the same ilk, and there is a there's a sequel as well that um, Return of the Two Fairy, which has um, it's set at a teenage party, which is so stullifyingly boring. Do you remember we, when we covered Dream Maniac, and I said it was like you know the, the dullest teenage party in the world because everyone yeah. yeah, but but this is really the dullest, and it's played in real time with people stood around drinking. Um, Diet Pepsi going, uh, so you've been anywhere nice on your holidays? And it's just like, it's, yeah. But there's another low-budget British film called Crispy the Clown, which is kind of supposed to be a comedy. And it's um, it's about this killer clown. I've only seen the first bit of it because I couldn't bring myself yet to finish it. And it has Derek Cora in it, um, who, if you don't know, Derek Cora was, I kind of, he was in one, he was in, um, what was it? Go, not Ghost Hunters. You know, those kind of, they're all over yeah. TV and then stuff. But there was, it, what was it called? Ghost Hunt or something or something? something like that. Yeah. yeah um, um, where they would go to places and he'd go, oh, there's someone coming in me. There's someone coming in me kind of thing. Um, and um, we're missing. <laughs> but he would be sort of the psychic that would get in touch or supposedly inverted commas with spirits in these places. And then you would have uh, this British um, uh, presenter called y- Yvette Fielding, I think it was the name, was who would run around screaming. And every time there'd be someone off camera sh- slamming a door and everyone would scream. So he was quite famous for for that as being slightly a little, a little tad camp. Um, but uh, he passed away recently, just shortly after this film was made. But he's in it. But it's about this kind of ghostly clown um, who's this big fat kind of pogo the clown person who turns up and kills people and he's battled by this Christian rock group called Fist um, so it's as it's as daft as it sounds um, and uh, there's a scene the, so where a, a woman's cats get baked in the pie not really and Crispy the Clown um, makes her eat it and sort of it's and there's a very funny joke about well, the only funny joke I saw in about um, this Christian rock group trying to find a new drummer after a drummer gets killed by a motorized wheelchair. Um, and um, they find a really good drummer and then they say that you, you know, uh, let's hope he's Christian. And then he sort of turns around. He's got something very rude about Christ on the back of his T-shirt, which I won't say in case we've got any godly listeners, which is very <laughs> unlikely. But um, so I'll have to finish that. But anyway, so I've been wasting my time with uh, low budget British horror movies. I'm going to watch that. I'm going to watch that, and then I'll say it because I don't care. <laughs> well, I'm hey, not... now the Tooth Fairy. What year did it come out? Because there's a lot of movies called Tooth Fairy. Yeah, it's 2018. Okay, 
but you'll love it you'll love it and they think i mean i'm not saying that it's akin to say old federal massacre 2 but it's if you imagine a group of friends go to an isolated farmhouse over a weekend and make a movie then it's kind of like that very nice very nice yes no shoe rack that i noticed but uh but uh, yeah, some quite f- it's it's entertaining for all the wrong reasons, which sometimes are all the right reasons. But uh, but yeah, so I've just been wasting my time watching low budget British modern British horror movies. But uh, rather than uh, uh, decent ones, I did watch um, a film called The Influence on Spanish Netflix, which was the Spanish love. I don't know if you know the author Ramsey Campbell. Um, they've yeah. made quite a lot of his the Spanish seem to love for some reason love Ramsey Campbell I don't know why I, I really like Ramsey Campbell he's one of my favourite authors but uh, they made um, a version of The Influence by um, which was uh, quite good I'm not sure if it's on Netflix elsewhere in the in the world but uh, if you like Ramsey Campbell um, movies like they're nameless and those kind of things and that's it's uh, definitely worth checking out so uh, yeah well I guess um, what yeah. about 1BR Oh, did we not? We did not mention that. No, and and because uh, mm. I was like, I forgot to mention it too, and I was like, I watched it as well after you gave it a good review. <laughs> Stripes of Greece. <laughs> yeah, one uh, yeah, br. That was uh, that was a nice little surprise. I've forgotten. We um, I must have watched that after we recorded last. But uh, I, it's it's kind of one of those films that does a kind of complete like one eighty or uh, halfway through. It's about a young woman in Los Angeles who goes to this apartment block. Uh, you've seen them in the films, always in Los Angeles. I'm, I'm sure they have them elsewhere. But these kind of apartment blocks around the swimming pool type type thing. And she goes there, and everyone there seems really really nice, and they seem to be like an amazing community spirit, which is possibly missing from many kind of modern living facilities. Uh, and there's a room comes up there. It's like a one BR, which I think you we worked out, well, you worked out, um, well, you knew uh, Nathan was meant one bedroom. And she goes, um, she goes to uh, basically be interviewed for this. And there's loads of people on the room because it's kind of well sought after. And she does get the room. And then um, weird, weird things start happening uh, there. And uh, she finds, uh, without giving it away, is there's kind of more of a sinister element to this community than she originally thought um but yeah so i i i didn't go into it with a massive amount of i, d- I didn't know what we were i was letting myself in for but um i really enjoyed it did you did you like it nathan yes i liked it a lot actually um and like you i, I didn't watch the trailer because you said um after you watched it, you're like the less you know the better and it's actually true because as the movie unfolded like um it's it was just a uh, like really awesome how all these events kind of lead up to what happens. And then, um, yeah, when that movie does that whole 180, um, it just gets very fascinating to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, it's, it's one of those movies that's hard to say anything cause you don't want to ruin it for anybody. Exactly. Yes. So, uh, yeah. And it has a quite a sort of, um, one of those kind of quite ch- chilling ending as well, which I kind of mm-hmm. quite, I liked. So, uh, yeah. So do check that out if you get a chance and say the less you know about it, the better. So, Okay, well, thank you for reminding me about that, uh, Nathan. Um, Okay, well, shall we move on to the main feature? Darling, you look just marvellous. Marvellous? I didn't know you were a motorcyclist. (laughs) Well, come in, come in. If you like something to drink, just help yourself. Make yourself a home. Oh, I got that picture just like you asked me to. Uh, let's see. Ah, yes, here it is. I can't imagine what you want with it, but since you asked. 
I mean, it's just a snap of the group at the studio. We're all in it. Me, I look awful. Magda, Carlo, Gisella, Maurizio, and that poor girl, what's her name? She was pregnant. Oh, yes, Evelyn, poor dear. <gasps> but are you trying to be funny? What are you doing? You're spilling my whiskey. So I'm going to read the synopsis now from the back of the Shameless Films DVD release. Uh, and as you know, they can be quite um, over the top in their descriptions. So here we go. Disappointed by films that just don't live up to their promise? Well, baby, this one does what it says on the box. So strap yourself in for sleazy, nudity-filled, gore, a go-go, giallo fun. The death of a fashion model leads to a revenge-driven trail of death that soon has the modeling agency she worked for in a frenzy of panic as the clothes get slashed and the sluts get slayed. In the middle of this kinkfest is the dependably beautiful Edwige Fenech doing all she can to avoid being the next to shed her clothes for a killer who likes their victims easy on the eye and stripped for the kill. From the mind of burial ground director Andrea Bianchi comes a gloriously trashy movie riddled with unnecessary but very welcome top drawer nudity and a wash with neon red blood, but most importantly, a well-made film that delivers wave after wave of guilty exploitation pleasure. Yes, so that's from Shameless's um, release on DVD a couple of years ago. So it's called Strip Nude for Your Killer. It's made by Andrea Bianchi, or Bianchi, the director of Burial Ground. So with that title and that director, it promises to be an unrelenting cheese fest, I suppose, of uh, blood and flesh. And while it is very silly and sleazy and ridiculous, it never quite reaches the heights of lunacy that he achieved with Burial Ground. I do still really love um, Strip Nude for Your Killer, though. And, uh, you know, I do really admire all like the the stripping nude and the killing and stuff. Um, but it is it is like, as it said on that synopsis, it's a fairly well-made movie. And uh, it's far more polished than I would have thought from the director of Burial Ground, which, as much as I love, has a real rough around the edges, made it up as we went along kind of feel, which is why it's such a great movie. And this one, uh, it kind of of opens in a similar style to what have they done to Solange? It opens with an abortion sequence where the patient dies of a massive coronary, uh, which is depicted on screen by the actress going, Um, and that's you know she's a quick death um, and uh, we see her body being removed into a bath to make it look like she's sort of drowned and you know that the doctors involved in the abortion had nothing to do with it but then um, we're very soon greeted with a gory death Um, when I say gory I mean they're using sort of dawn of the dead red melted crayon effects for blood so it's kind of unrealistic but uh, it is still I suppose gory Uh, and then we get introduced to Carlo who is uh, surely the oddest hero character to grace Annie Giallo. He's a, he's a fashion photographer and when we first meet him, uh, he's in a swimming pool or a leisure centre of some kind and he's harassing uh, this girl called Lucia um, and he follows her around and he's just wearing a pair of Speedos. She's just in a skimpy bikini and he's photographing her arse and he then more or less um, coerces her into a bit of rumpo in the sauna uh, and I suppose like in any normal film, his character would have kind of an arc where he'd maybe redeem himself at the end. But in this film, his character just gets worse and worse and more, um, I suppose, unlikable. Um, And there's one point where he threatens to strangle his girlfriend Magda when she inquires uh, about his relationship with Lucia. Um, Although he does do a really impressive nude handstand that I'm sure had certain members of the podcast's eyes out on stocks. Justin? Well, he did. um, uh, Yeah. Well, it was quite a, a, a quite, 
feet, wasn't it? It was quite a feat. It's quite a bottom. <laughs> um, so the killer's uh, get-up in this film is uh, black leather and a motorcycle helmet, which is kind of echoing the killer in night school. Uh, and I'm sure there's others have used that. I think in Nightmare Beach, doesn't the killer go around in motorcycle gear? Uh, I think so. Um, but uh, probably the most horrifying thing about the killer, and I think probably the most harrowing scene for you, Justin, is that scene where the killer is pouring a glass of J&B whiskey and they could just keep pouring, pouring, pouring until it overflows and starts spilling everywhere. It was I'd terrible. Say that had you in tears. It did have me in tears. I was very... Yeah, uh, that no, that bottle was... of J&B whiskey had friends and family. Yeah, because Mario's like, Mario's <laughs> like, you're spilling my whiskey. He was. It reminded me, like, the equivalent of that for me is there's a scene in Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory where Charlie finds the golden ticket and throws away the chocolate in excitement. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> it's horrifying. Well, you know, Eric, the golden ticket probably made the chocolate taste bad. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, so, uh, and, and that actually, that scene you were mentioning there with Mario, um, he gets killed and then... I, did I miss something? Because when the, the police find his dead body, his trousers are around his ankles. And I'm not sure why. Um, it sure adds the sleeves factor. <laughs> I think the killer was upset because he was one of the only people that didn't strip nude first. Well, I had, a, I had a question about that scene. Well, I, I actually, I'll bring it up later. Keep going. Okay. Um, uh, but probably the, actually the, it, the sleaziest moment for me is when the obese uh, Maurizio, who I do not fancy before anyone says anything, Oh, okay. Eric. Uh, I don't. I know Joseph is going to mention this multiple times, but I'm just putting it out there. I, I would do. never, ever do such a thing, Eric. <laughs> oh, um, Maurizio, uh, he tries to woo uh, Doris by driving at dangerous speeds through the city. Um, she's screaming for him to stop, and he's ignoring it, thinking this is the way to seduce her. Uh, he then drags her into the house, threatens to kill her with a vase, or vase, uh, until she complies with a little sort of horizontal mambo action. Um, but he um, strips down to his pants, and he wears the world's biggest underpants. Now I've checked the I checked the Guinness Book of Records to see if it was there and it was. It says that the biggest underpants ever in the world were worn by Maurizio in Strip Nude for Your Killer. Um, then to make him uh, even to make this big obese man in a big pair of underpants even more attractive, he shoots his load after ten seconds and then starts crying uh, and then seeks comfort in an inflatable doll. <laughs> what a catch! Um, You're the only one I can do this with. <laughs> his sex scene he's like it's tragic and she's like no it's not tragic i know this happens to a lot of guys this is where the true andrea bianchi comes out uh with this film <laughs> uh with this scene um mr enormous underpants uh, of course he's not long for the world with you know um overall though i mean the film is for me it's usually entertaining uh and it's to be honest, it's as good as most Jally. I mean, it has a coherent Jallo plot and has suspense and blood and silliness and a bit of a mystery to it. Uh, and again, it's a wonderful 70s time capsule. Um, I mean, it has kind of two levels, I suppose. One is it works as kind of a Jallo, but then this other level on top is this absolute silliness and strangeness and, and cheesiness to it. And of course, all the stripping nude. Um, I love the, the climactic fight where the killer is pushed down some concrete steps and they sort of delicately roll down you're not going to get a an exorcist style stunt here where somebody is flung down a set of steps um and as i said carlo has to be the most unusual hero character just the way he treats women he like i'm actually all the men uh, treat the women as sex objects in this film and they seem <laughs> you very were mentioning funny. when 
Mm-hmm. You were mentioning when he was photographing Lucia at the very beginning of the yeah. film. Um, he's photographing her ass. He's he's like, boy, I've never seen a face like that in all my life. <laughs> it's like, what? You're photographing her backside. And you're <laughs> saying her face. <sighs> I know, but but the thing is, like, the she succumbs to his charms within about ten seconds. Yeah, he just takes like, her back in the sauna and they just go at it. He basically yeah. forces himself on her. Yes, I don't think this type of film would get made in 2020. Um, but I, I, th- I thought it was usually entertaining. I mean, it's not a, a masterpiece like Deep Red or one, you know, one the other Jalo we love, but it's certainly darn entertaining. It may not be a good film, but it's a great movie, as jo- Joseph would say. So, um, Justin, what did you think? Well, I, yeah, I kind of, um, I'd, I'd seen this movie many years ago. And in fact, actually, they used a byline from His Series Lives on one of the releases. And I said it was ultra trashy fun, which I kind of stand by. I think it is very, very entertaining. I mean, it's so kind of mid 70s, um, where, where, you know, anything goes and they're really pushing boundaries. Um, with what they can display on screen. So it doesn't go, and we'll talk a bit more about the Jalo and how the Jalo went even further a little in a few, few years later. Um, but it's this kind of mixture of um, uh, kind of sex, sex film in, I mean, what kind of titillation I kind of guess and thriller, but it's, it's um, looked through the prism of today's politics, sexual and social politics. I mean, it's gobsmacking. It's kind of, I keep on thinking, you know, when they sort of saying young people, when they watch friends now go, they, there's, they're clutching the pearls because of um they say it's so outrageous and i just wonder if you've got a, a room full of 20 year olds to watch um strip nude with your killer and see kind of what uh what they would think about the sexual politics and it still is even with even joking aside it's just bizarre thing you've taken the italian machismo of the the main character and you know where he like you, you said eric he's there's a scene where he's got his girlfriend magda and um, he's choking her, sort of strangling her because she dares question something about where he was or something to do with the plot. Uh, I, whereas like five seconds later, he'd have been it all been sort of sweet talking and being sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, lovey lovey is 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 kind of very telling. Having said said that, it's kind of everyone seems to be in on on the joke. Um, quite how they had at the beginning with the how they thought they would disguise a botched abortion by just dumping someone in the bathtub is kind of beyond me even 1975's um uh forensics i'm sure would have picked that up um the bits of it i kind of you know i thought was uh, the, the reason i th- could tell it was being made with a um i kind of a kind of a bit of a tongue-in-cheek i think because at the time i mean edwidge fenique was she'd been the queen of the jalo and we've covered her in in movies and she hadn't done one for a, a couple of years maybe i'm trying to think when the last one was probably the case of the bloody iris was like I think 73 or maybe 72 even um but uh but this was her last shallow of the 1970s and although she was like the queen of the shallow but this time she was making all these sexy comedies and one of the things i haven't seen many of these kind of sexy co- italian comedies because they don't travel as well because they're sexy as in like the i think the humor um doesn't tend to translate as well to different cultures um from different countries as, as thriller or horror elements do but um but italian what i have seen of italian sort of sex comedies are very very broad uh much more so than american even american british ones so you have that kind of going on in this as as well um but a bits of it i kind of uh, stood out to me again after watching it made me made, made me laugh and thought they were the tongue was firmly in cheek was when the the scene when um 
uh, they first go into the model agency, which of course the model agency or the model house of models is kind of goes right back to Mario Barber's Blood and Black Lace, where you have the blonde model and she turns round and she looks like a panda with blue eyeshadow on. She's got so much blue eyeshadow and um, a very 70s look. And um, Edwidge Schwenik's character Magda says she needs more blue eyeshadow, which kind of made me laugh. Um, the, um, uh, I get that. Agneta, that's right. Um, the the killer in the um, the get up. I mean, again, it was very much obviously taking the the themes of the Jalo and and making them more and more extreme. Um, I think it had been borrowed from I think it's the uh, the what have they done to your daughters, which was um, uh, made the year before, which is kind of where the Jalo gone off into the politeski uh, police thriller, the cop thriller. Um, so they were definitely trying to find new ways to keep the Jalo um uh alive so um yeah i mean overall i mean it's got everything if you want you know to be offended by when I mean, you've got the predatory lesbian which you always have in these not always but quite often in these movies especially when it's um, set around a uh, uh a fashion house um and of course you've got the jaw-dropping ending where um say this character of um uh the, the nino uh, castellan nuevo i kind of not know how to pronounce his name but um he's the main character is like you say he has no redemption throughout this he goes from being a, you know ultra sexist to being um you know the, the kind of most extreme of the italian machismos uh so even by the end at the end of the movie there's kind of no redemption for his character whatsoever he's just he just kind of bl- kind of lusters his way through with the kind of most extreme kind of um, disregard for anyone apart from himself and his kind of supreme confidence in the kind of the male kind of Italian peacock. Um, although I must admit, it does look quite good in those um, uh, bathing shorts at the beginning, but uh, that's on the side. And also I did appreciate the fact that what you said about everyone is equal opportunities in so much everyone does get nude at some point. And even I thought it was quite funny, the scene where he's gets he's in bed um, with um, Edwidge comes in and I think she's clothed, but he gets out of bed and he's naked and he picks up a pillow or a, uh, to cover his genitals and he's sitting in bed and he's cross-legged and you can clearly see his... his um, his uh, cock through the um, the side, so they yeah. can have left that in. You, <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, that. he goes like, if you watch like several scenes where he's naked, he goes out of his way to shield his junk, like mm. with a pillow or his like positioning. But then when he sits on the bed and he's got the pillow over him, his his nuts are just hanging out like yes. freely. <laughs> <laughs> so so overall i mean it's it's it, you know it's it looks good again and i think we mentioned this with um when we did the beyond the door i, I mentioned it about how you the um the italian genre movies in the 70s especially throughout the 70s still looked amazing even when the kind of budgets were dropping and um the uh it, it became more and more exploitative you still had the people working in them who had been working with all the italian greats and things so everything looks looks top notch um and i think andrea bianchi sort of it became much more low rent as he went on so overall i think it's it's of it, it's very much of its time i mean if you're if you're likely to get offended by um uh, mid-70s italian genre movies then don't watch it but if you keep it if you keep in mind that the time frame it was made uh then there's a lot of fun to be had with it and i, I must admit i didn't i don't I'm trying to remember if i remember even guessing who the killer was which won't spoil just yet but i'm sure we will do um eventually mm. although i think it's fairly perfunctory although i did i thought uh Bianchi was so he wanted to get as much sleaze in as possible that he even added the the fact that um 
that the the killer and the um, the person who was um, obviously it's no great surprise that the whole catalyst for the murders was the the abortion at the beginning was the the, the model who died at the beginning and the killer um, were having an incestuous relationship which which just add just to add another little little mm. cherry on top of of sleaze for the whole. I thing. know it it wasn't enough that they were just sisters. No, they had to be like lovers too. Exactly. And I didn't really understand. Okay, well, let's. So I, I mean, um, just to sort of. Uh, well, well let, let's go go on to what other people think first. But we'll, we'll discuss the the killer's motivation uh, shortly. Um, Joseph, you're a cheap whore. I resemble that remark. <laughs> um, I mean, throw out any preconceived notions that you'll find anything remotely resembling class and strip nude for your killer, because this film opens with a botched abortion and then a nefarious cover up of that abortion. And then it goes into this sort of funky ride through the night streets of what I assume is 1974 Milan. And I actually got lost in all the visuals. It has this kind of like this post rain soaked streets and the shining headlights and it has that funky music. And then it segues into the um, the abortion doctor getting a pretty graphic comeuppance from someone dressed in this sort of proto night school motorcycle get up, like you said, Eric. And we're only five minutes into the movie. And then all of a sudden we meet the, the speedo clad Carlo, who in, <laughs> in this one scene, like I said, he's snapping photos of uh, Lucia's backside. And he's like, I haven't seen such a face in a long time. And then he takes her to the sauna and essentially forces himself onto her. And then um, <laughs> right here, we're six minutes into the, into the movie, and I've already completely fallen in love with Strip Nude for Your Killer. And dare I hope it maintains such an aura of, uh, of sleaze for the remainder of its running time. And boy, did, <laughs> boy, it does. I mean, this film is deliriously trashy, I swear. I love the sort of backstage belly aching that goes on in this fashion house. I mean, all the catty dialogue and the, the listless scenery, the fact that you have the womanizing Carlo and this lecherous kind of Maurizio character, they're lurk, lurking about. And then Giselle and Lucia as the secret lesbian couple on the brink of being torn apart by the nefarious Carlo. It's all in anyone's game of anything can happen. You know, all that stuff sort of supersedes the murder stuff for me, um, even though the murders are you know, kind of quite zany and, you know, kind of brutal in their own right, I guess. Um, I, uh, a couple of scenes that really stood out to me was we, we were talking about Mario and how Justin is the Mario of the podcast. Cause he's like, Oh no, you're spilling my whiskey. <laughs> and then he doesn't put up a fight at all. And the killer's like 12 feet away from me. He's like, no, no. It's like, he, he could have ran away from the killer easily. And it took the killer like 10 minutes to get to him. And, and, and you were mentioning how when they find the body and his, his pants are around his ankles, I thought it was funnier, the look on his face. I mean, he had this bizarre look on his face when they found his corpse. Um, but the scene, the, the question I have about this scene is it, it looks like um, uh, Patrizia is the one that discovered him. Now, she's the killer. Why did she react uh, yeah. to him being dead? I mean, like. It, it seems like they they kind of messed it up. It felt like it was like a, a very dishonest, like red herring, because like if no one sees her faint, then she's essentially doing this for the audience. I mean, am I right here? Absolutely. I couldn't really. Uh, in retrospect, it doesn't make any sense at all, does it? No, it, it's not. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's just a lot of scenes like that. You know, like we mentioned, uh, the Maurizio sex scene where he just sobs over and over. It's just it's so funny. 
Um, and there's so many scenes like that that I go through on a you know scene by scene basis. But you know, I'll I'll just save the I guess the best bits for the after opinions. Just say that strip nude for your killer is just so much fun. I mean, it's not at all difficult to guess uh, who done it wrapped in this sort of this jazzy Italian soap opera structure. And I and I love the overall look and feel of the time period. Those old photo labs, the bland photo shoots, the busy streets, even the investigative cop stuff. I thought it, you know, it fit here. It didn't really bore me like it usually does in a shallow. But uh, I think um, all that wrapped together makes for one effectively uh, delicious shallow film. So thumbs way up for me, Eric. This is a great pick. Excellent. Nathan, it's y'all's turn. What do you think? I think Carlo is probably one of the most despicable like heroes in, in cinema history. Well, it wasn't so for love awful. for him. <laughs> no. He, um, yeah, he's terrible. He, like, like to me, I, I'm, I keep going back to the scene where he's strangling uh, Magda just because she said something he didn't like. And she, like, she's like, God, you don't have to strangle me. And he's like, oh, sorry, honey. Like, it was just some normal occurrence there. Um, and, and the ending uh, with him, like, basically going to take her from behind uh, against her will and then claims he's joking about it. And then she laughs and it goes off. And I'm just like, that was the weirdest ending I've ever seen to any movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that Maurizio might have been overselling his driving skills to Doris because he tells her that he is like one of the best drivers in the world while totally ignoring every rule of the road. Um, and, uh, I don't understand a lot of how, why the characters act the way they do in this movie, because, you know, Maurizio, um, you know, he tries to hit her with a vase and threatens her and then like, I don't know. It's like she doesn't react how you would normally react to that situation. She's just sort of like, oh, fine. I'll do it. The women, the I mean, women in this film are so, <laughs> they're so put upon. Like uh, Lucia, she just gives in to Carlo. I mean, he gropes her and she just gives in. And then in this scene with Maurizio, he's like raping her and she's like, get off of me. You're hurting me. And she's like, fine, let's just do it this way. I'm like, go to the police. My God. That, uh, that's not an option for any of these women, is what I'm assuming. <laughs> But there's also the um, rough, uh, you know, rough lesbian uh, scene where Giselle's like slapping her around and she gives that amazing line. I want to be a model, not a kept woman or a slave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I love that line. It's probably one of the best lines I've heard in any uh, Giallo movie, honestly. Um, and I'm with you guys. The murders themselves, I mean, it was fine, but I thought the dialogue and the weird goings on at this fashion house was even more interesting than the fact that there's a killer running around. Um, and uh, I didn't guess who the killer was, but that's just because I felt, felt like we were kind of cheated with that whole fainting scene. Um, I actually thought it was going to end up being Edwige Finesh. That would have been a twist. Mm. Yeah. God, her name has so much panache. <laughs> wow. I love it. I love her name. Um, but no, it's, it's a, it's a interesting movie because I'm like the men in it are sleazebags and the women, uh, seem to be just totally fine with being just objects for the men's amusement in this movie. That's what it felt like. But it's funny, isn't it? That then the killer turns out to be a woman. It's kind yes. of, but it doesn't do any, I don't think necessarily that was, 
there was any great thought behind that was there it wasn't like a sort of a, um a, a sort of a uh, kind of having a woman being the killer was some kind of revenge because she's equal opportunities isn't she she kind of kills everyone although i yeah. did you yeah. un- did you understand because I, I know obviously the killer turns out to be the sister who's also a model at the agency so and they were having an incestuous relationship which was kind of uh, more or less said um but uh, why well one who got her pregnant and why was she killing everyone at the model agency carlo probably sure got her carlo, pregnant yeah mm. carlo he assisted in the cover up. covering up yeah mm. he was involved in the cover-up the one thing i'm wondering is if if they both worked at the modeling agency and they were sisters did no one put that together that hey this is her sister yeah. Did the cops not even think to look in that at all? And honestly, the one person that should have really been killed as far as the killer's motive is the hero that lives. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He really should have been the one that she went after more than anyone yeah. else. Yeah. And he but he totally to gets away with it. No one else really had anything to do with her death. Yeah. Well, especially if you think like Lucia, she wasn't even there. She didn't even know her. Yeah, she was brand new to the agency. I wonder if Carlo is the one who got her pregnant. Possibly, yeah. yeah I, I wonder I, I Assume, I assume it was because he was involved. He's in the helped with the cover up. Yeah. yeah. Again, uh, showing how despicable he is. Yeah. Like he probably got her pregnant. Um, probably w- wanted her to have this abortion himself. I'm just assuming this now because <laughs> this is Carlos' character. And <laughs> then, like, he like he, basically he's cheated on his girlfriend. He's gotten another woman pregnant. He wants her to have an abortion. She ends up getting botched and killed. And he's totally fine with just covering that up. Yeah, and then the next God. day he's basically just sleeping around with other women. Yeah, I love like, this. It didn't even affect him. Yeah, I love the scene where he's he's basically just yelling at Stefano and um, Doris during that photo shoot. <laughs> yeah. and he's like, okay, yeah, okay, everybody, calm down. I'm gonna go have a coffee. Ciao. They're like, okay. That's Carlo for you. Mm-hmm. What and, a jerk. Yeah. And you guys, is Giselle and Maurizio not the oddest couple in history? Like, they're married to each other. Oh, yeah. And, I, yeah I, lo- I love how she's credited as Amanda. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the actress's name. That's her yeah, name Giselle, on IMDb. Amanda. Mm. Just, just Amanda. Amanda. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very uh yeah, very, very, very odd. But uh yeah, well, um strip mutual killer. So uh do you wanna do uh go into some background? Yes. Now I couldn't find a huge amount on this, I'm afraid. I do have the DVD, but as I said, I'm in a different country now, so I didn't have access to it. Uh Nathan, do you have any background for us? Edwige Finesh was in Hostel Two. Yes. She was. There we go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a lot of movies. Yeah. Is that it? Okay. Um, Joseph, do you have anything? Yeah, just a couple of things. Uh, the German DVD features the uncut version of the film, uh, which is similar to the Region 1 DVD release, except for the pre-credits uh, opening scene. The German DVD has the sequence in normal color, whereas the Region 1 DVD has the sequence tinted blue. Uh, I saw the tinted blue version. It kind of reminded me of the uh, the House on Sorority Row incident with uh, the coronation. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, writer Massimo Filosati uh, did not wish to be seen as having solely written the film, and I can see why. And he gave director Andrea Bianchi credit for the story in order to, quote unquote, deflect his role and not have to bear full responsibility uh, for the script. Um, strip Nude for Your Killer has been met with mixed to negative reviews. Martin Audi of the Monthly Film Bulletin in a March 1980 issue said, For all its cliché direction, uh, voyeuristic, threateningly subjective camera work, and perfunctory sexual diversions, 
this routine sexploiter is at least uh, tolerably shot and unfussily unfussily plotted and that's all the background i have thank you very much uh justin do you have anything uh i've got a couple of things i i had a i found um some press mats for it from the italian press back in 1975 when it got released and i i found a review of of the film um which is in italian and obviously so and so i my italian isn't very good well it's non-existent really so i ran it through google translate and this is just like a short paragraph of um this review to give you an idea of what how sort of some of the press in uh, italy would have viewed a film like strip nude for your killer and it says um it's a modest thriller in which the erotic um uh, allspice whatever that was translates as i'm not sure but tries to give a different flavor to the yellow intrigue uh developed especially in the second half in the first in the first however we try to justify the title you said allspice it does say allspice erotic allspice so okay. but that's what that's okay. how google translates like a mixed, uh, yeah a mixed bag is event. it a is it a u s p i c e no all a double l s p i c e oh okay. allspice that is weird yeah but i think this is google <laughs> translate so obviously when they say the flavor to the yellow intrigue they obviously mean the yellow is yellow so it's like the uh, yeah um, and it says, um, none of the actresses who appear in the cast, and they are five, neglects to show themselves in freedom. It is a beautiful sight, at least until one of the beautiful bodies is torn apart by wounds dripping with rivers of blood. So, as you can see, nice and um, nice subtle review there for the uh, the movie from the Italian press at the time. Um, obviously, uh, Edwige Fenique was, of course, the queen of the giallo. We've mentioned she was uh, in mostly the Sergio Martino movies, which some of them which we've covered already, like The Strange Vice of Miss wards and all the colors of the dark um and your vice is a locked room and only have the key and of course you in another trashy jalo delight if you if you like strip nude if you're killing you've not seen um uh, the uh, the case of the bloody iris then that is another very very trashy uh jalo delight with edwidge being uh, a very likable in it um she also went on to be uh she she didn't do much in the jello but she went on as i mentioned to do a lot of kind of sex comedies and that's where she was most popular after the heyday of the jello uh things like the sexy school teacher those kind of movies they're kind of a a very broad italian uh sort of sex farces where her bra will ping off like uh like the italian barbara windsor uh, at regular intervals but she also popped up again in Ruggiero Diodato's um Phantom of Death with Michael York um Femi Bonusi who was uh who played who was the in the uh, the opening sequence not the opening but the sequence of the pool uh was also in um she was in a Fellini film I think originally but she was also in uh quite a few Jali at the time Hatchet for a Honeymoon uh the Mario Bava movie Death Knocks Twice with Fabio Testi and The Killer Must Kill Again which was uh, made around about this time um the um you mentioned the screenwriter um uh, joseph uh, massimo uh, felisati who who didn't want um who said that uh, he kind of wanted to distance himself a little bit from the movie but he he sort of said at the time that um the italian censorship had, had kind of dropped away so sufficient sufficiently uh that they could get away with a lot more so it was very much at the time when the film was released it was kind of it was pushing boundaries uh, definitely to see how much they could get away with and he said that and Andrea Bianchi was a masochist or or sadist uh, that he kind of loved um, the scenes with blood and nudity. So he was pushing it far, you know, kept on. So it was a little bit too much for 
for him. Um, the last thing I'll just mention that was that on the the DVD that I have, the Shameless DVD, which uh, uh, has an interview with um, Massimo uh, Felisati, and um, but also it has an interview with uh, Solvi Stubing, who is the German actress who plays the killer. Um, and uh, it was quite funny because she's um, it, it's from 2005 I think it was released so it was a, 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 a while back but in it she says she watched the film with her husband after many years and she was shocked to have discovered that she was the killer at the end of the movie which I would have thought were well, you making a movie where you're the killer you might remember that but uh, <laughs> just because show she didn't but she was famous um, she was famous as uh, uh, for Peroni beer adverts in the 1960s uh, and she said that uh, Bianchi was a very economic filmmaker and everything would be done in one or two takes and moved on very quickly. And it was filmed in Milan in the winter of 74 into 75. So uh, that's everything I have, I think. Okay. Well, I only have a few more bits to add to that. Um, one of which is that Bianchi is, uh, of course, most famous as director of the delirious burial ground, but he also made 1979's Justin, the malicious whore. <laughs> which uh, is also known it's also known as Malabimba which which is the Swahili word for Justin um, so there mm-hmm. you go um, he made a massacre as well in 1989 which is it's quite a fun one uh, it's one of the films that Fulci uh, used footage from for his 1990 um, patchwork quilt of a movie Cat in the Brain um, and looking through Bianchi's uh, filmography on IMDb there is an interesting looking film from 1987 called Maniac Killer which stars Bo Svensson and Chuck Connors I've never seen it but um, reading the plot synopsis it doesn't sound like it's a slasher but it is called Maniac Killer um, Strip Nude for Your Killer got a cinema release in 1979 in the UK with a number of cuts that are, it's unspecified on the BBFC website what the cuts were, but I'm not surprised. I imagine there's at least probably five minutes gone out of it. Um, Nino Castelnuevo, who plays the despicable Carlo, he was in the much classier Umbrellas of Sherberg a decade before, which is I think was kind of a musical, was it? Um, Justin, you're more highbrow than me. The Umbrellas uh, of Sherbrooke. I know the title. I've never seen the film. It's got, is it what the one with Catherine Deneuve? Yeah, I think so, yeah. yeah. Mm, so it's quite a highbrow thing. So um, to go from that, and then I think it's about eight years later or ten years later, he's in um, Strip Nude for Your Killer. <laughs> it's quite um, uh, a contrast. Um, and I think that's mostly all I have. Yes, that's all I have, I'm afraid. Well, I say if you want to see more of that, um, the actor play Carlo, I think he was in Camille, is it Camille 2000? Which um, I am just looking up now. That's Camille 1969, he was in that, and it was a uh, uh, Radley Metzger movie. Uh, oh, him. Yes. yes. So it's like a dirty movie. The dirty movie. So you see a bit more of him if you want to. Not that I obviously seek that out, obviously. So mm. um, I think, uh, well, on, on that bombshell I think we should move forward did you know that this film was labelled by Time magazine as the most depressing film ever they felt that it ended on a bum note (laughs) did I steal your joke (laughs) (laughs) thank you very much Wow. 
Sorry, Eric. Is that burlesque music? Don't you it's know that song? Connects. It was mm-hmm. the. It's the. It was released in nine. Don't you've never said that's the the classic stripper song. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, that's I was looking. It's like burlesque music. Yeah. Yes, I was looking up, and apparently, it was number one in America in 1962. Oh, so lots of people stripping at home. So I saw you. I, I stole your joke, Eric. That was um. That's some Derek Acora shit. Gosh, did you say say it already? Well, I said um. I said something about bums, didn't I? Before we went into oh. joke of the week. But anyway, you said it on that bombshell, I thought you said on that bombshell. Oh, so anyway, he did steal my joke then. Impossible. Well, I have another one. Why? Why did the nudist have an empty calendar? Because he had absolutely nothing on. There you go. Ew, that Ew. was terrible. <laughs> no, it's not. The other one was better. You're a cheap whore. Yes. One thing I was going to mention, I forgot to mention, have you guys ever seen um, Mario Landi's um, uh, Giallo a Venezia or uh, Thrilling in Venice? Yes, in Venice? I have, yes. Uh, no. Because, well, because at the time that, that this came out, there was, um, as I say, talking about they're pushing the boundaries of uh, the Giallo and what's acceptable. But um, uh, Giallo a Venezia or Thrilling in Venice is, is made in 1979, I think. And yeah. it's gone really, really nasty and, and really kind of, it's kind of, it has hardcore sex in it as well. So they were pushing, really pushing the boundaries with, with stuff. Now, he was um, the woman who was in Burial Ground who gets her, her nipple chewed off by her son. Um, she's in it as well and gets her leg cut off with a hacksaw on a, on a, on a table in this. But he also made the infamous um, Patrick Still Lives. Where the yes. same actress gets a fire poker shoved up her, you know what, and out her mouth. So it all, it all got very classy in Italy around this time. Um, but uh, yeah, um, uh, Giallo and Venezia would be uh, would be an interesting one to cover if you've not seen it because it is very very grubby. Just one thing I've noticed here in my notes about Strip Nude for Your Killer. There was a weird scene in it that reminded me of um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. There's a scene in Friday Two where um, Terry. Uh, throws the throws a towel into the bushes into the camera lens, which I always thought was weird. In this one, there's a scene where Magda struggles to get her blouse off, and then when she does, she just throws it into the camera, and that's the end of the scene. It's just really bizarre. Justin, is this the only film you've ever seen where that ends with um, anal intercourse? <laughs> hmm. Well, I think they they usually they usually start with that, don't they? The one the kind of the mucky movies you watch, Eric. I imagine. <gasps> I've never watched a Spanish supermarket movie ever. <laughs> why does why does Carlo get everything he wants in life? It's so unfair. It is. He's such a terrible person. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, um, was anything left to say on Strip Mew for Your Killer? Uh, our feedback thing. Oh, of course. Feedback, oh, yeah. yes. So, what, what was the consensus, Joseph? Okay. Um, out of a fairly impressive 85 votes... 95% of those listeners enjoyed Strip Nude for Your Killer. The other 5% did not. And our listener of the week is Carl Lito, and he writes, I prefer the prequel. Please remove your socks and shoes for your victim. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good joke of the week right there. Um, not as good as mine. Can, eh, that's debatable, Eric. Hang on. Um, on last week's episode, I said to Bill, um, I'm going to tell you the opposite of the title, and it was um, Get Dressed for Your savior and that was funny yeah. and i was like more or less exactly the same as that comment <laughs> <laughs> you can find us on facebook instagram twitter youtube and anywhere you catch your pods and our email address is info or feedback at the hysteria continues.net yes and if you want to see um, eric uh, doing a strip tease then head over to youtube to uh, see what's what so 
you do the stream. Are you going to do oh, that? Oh, oh, oh. Also, we're on Patreon. I don't know if you not you, you might you may know that already. Yes, and if you if you do uh, join Patreon, you get exclusive content, and uh, well, it's exclusive, isn't it? And it is content. <laughs> yeah, it? Well, that's the only thing we can say about it, it's exclusive. Hang on, uh, on the latest episode, like you get not one, not two, not three, but four jokes of the week. That's true. We do. We cover the devilment in uh, in Beyond the Door. Um, so, uh, but you, yes. So, I mean, you get actually people have said that actually our Patreon is is one of the best out of the two they've seen or something like <laughs> no but it's one of the because we do actually you do if you join the patreon you get at least well, it's usually about two hours of content a month i uh, know four hours of content a month isn't it usually mm, no no two hours a little, two a little hours. about two hours yeah two hours yeah about two and a half episodes per month yeah so extra uh, all good, clean fun. But I'm glad to see the caliber of the History Continues uh, listenership uh, enjoys. 95% of them enjoys Strict New Fuel Killer. So it goes to show that keep it classy. So mm-hmm. we're in good company. And now a word from our friends. Bad movies. The world is full of them. From low-budget crap fests to downright unwatchable and only two men are willing to watch them all so climb in and take your seat this is short bus cinema let's do it hey everyone this is johnny krug from kruger nation and this is rick morgan from the helming power hour and we have decided to team up and take you where no one has gone before. We're on a quest to find the world's worst movie, and we're doing it on the bus. Driving through cult classics in every genre to find holy grail of bad movies. So if you're looking for something different and more fun than you can stand, then climb on in. Short Bus Cinema is a proud member of Legion Podcasts. That's right, yo! Short Bus Cinema. We'd love to watch the movies you hate. Aren't TV movies fun? You see all these familiar faces, but doing really unfamiliar things. And I think that that's really exciting. And I think that's something important to the history of film in general. Join Amanda. There's a lot going on in that scene that is unspoken between two men. So I'm just telling you, I think there was a little Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> Dan. I think Therese is a little bipolar. Her voice, it goes from this sort of sexy, sensuous voice to, Okay, Ramsey, get out of here. <laughs> And date. I love, you know, in like the late 70s, early 80s, the crazier a person got, the bigger their hair got. (laughs) (laughs) As they discuss their favorite made-for-TV movies. Mr. Hazelrick. On the made-for-TV mayhem show. This man came to see him. He never comes to see him at work. (laughs) What kind of stories could he have to tell him? (laughs) Tales of his postal delivery. So, well, uh, what are we covering next time? Uh, well, it, it's my pick, is it? It's mm. mine. Okay. Um, we've been asked to cover these films, and we're not doing both of them yet. We're going to start with the first one. Um, we're going to cover the Norwegian slasher, Cold Prey, from 2006, I believe it was. Yeah. Are we covering their first album? Cold Prey. 
Oh, sorry. Oh, I always got those two confused. Oh, so we're going to talk about Chris Martin's and Gwyneth Paltrow's unbelievably nauseating marriage. Their conscious uncoupling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Joe, what, Eric, you've already ruined your joke of the week uh, possibilities, well, no, haven't okay. you? Although, I'll, I'll come up with something even better, don't you worry. Well, I know you, no, wouldn't, I know you wouldn't want to recycle any old crap. No, I, I never do. No. Yeah, because we never repeat ourselves on this show, ever. Dale. <laughs> Susie versus Toya. Uh, we've le- we, we've left that good movie. Yes, we've left that well alone, haven't we? Recently, the Susie oh, versus yeah. Toya. Yeah, it's, it's time to, or maybe not. <laughs> so, okay, what are we playing out with, Eric? Oh, yes, some vintage adamant. This was uh, almost a hit, but not quite a hit for him in 1983, called Strip. Very appropriate. Ah, good song. Same name. Excellent. Okay, right. Well, uh, well, thank you for listening to The Hysteria Continues and our journey back to Italy. I'm sure it won't be the last time we go back for a little, little bit of giallo. Um, so, um, but we'll catch you next time for some, uh, well, some relief from the summer heat and when we go for Norwegian fjords for a snowy time with a killer in a, in a deserted lodge. I think, yeah. if, if memory serves me well. Well, say goodbye to the good people. Bye. 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 Goodbye. Yeah. It's at times like this, the great heaven knows, that we wish we had not so many clothes so let's loosen up with a playful tease like all lovers did through the centuries
I'm interested to hear this song strip that um, you've chosen. I'm very curious to hear it, but I almost thought you might pick what, what in the butt. Oh, <laughs> that would have been a brilliant choice. Oh. What, what, in the butt? What you my butt? In my butt. <laughs> I cannot believe you missed that opportunity here. Oh, well, oh, well. Maybe I'll sneak it in there. Ooh. Yes. I'll sneak it in the back door. Hey. Yes. Okay. Okay. 